You just saw um, actually one of the arguments against Jesus' resurrection, that there was this collusion and they stole the body. Actually, it's the oldest one. No one really believes that anymore. Um, you could not find a, uh, a scholar or historian uh, anywhere that really holds to that idea. In fact, none of the ideas that um, have been, really, there's nothing new. They're really old ideas that, that kind of try to explain away the resurrection. And, um, and all of those have just dissipated. I mean, there, there just isn't anything that you can kind of, when you go into the weeds of it and the details of the argument, it all disappears. The fact is, Jesus rose from the dead. That's what happened. And I would just want to say to you, happy Resurrection Day, family. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. What a great worship time and just wonderful. The, the gift uh, that God gives us in the people of God is just so wonderful to us. I, uh, as I was just kind of contemplating this and, well, processing as you read through the story of the resurrection of Jesus, one thing that you do know is that the disciples were totally taken off guard. Um, and they shouldn't have been. I mean, there was, Jesus had said he was going to the cross. I mean, he talked to them. He, he talked about how he was going to be like Jonah, who three days and three nights were in the belly of the great fish. He was going to be in, in the belly of the earth. And, and so he talked about his resurrection. He talked about he, he was going away for a while. He's coming back. And, uh, and yet they didn't get it. And of course they didn't get it. Why would you? People don't rise from the dead. So, well, okay, well, they did see a couple of resurrections, but they would be mostly re referred to as uh, resuscitations because the people that he raised who were dead then had to die again. But what Jesus was doing, he's, he was, in fact, declaring that he was going to raise himself from the dead, which he did. The Father raised him, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit, but it was a triune God. And Jesus, Jesus raised himself from the dead. And, uh, and so there, kind of you put yourself into there where they were when all of a sudden Jesus is dead and everything is shattered. We were um, a couple, just what, about a week and a half ago, the last big rain we had, um, we we're driving home uh, with uh, some of our grand, couple of our grandkids, and our four-year-old uh, grandson Luke is in the car. And uh, and and we were, Carol was talking about Noah, and uh, and he says he says, "Well, Papa could build an ark." <laughs> and I said, "Well, I don't have enough wood to build an ark." And then he says, "Well, you could buy an ark." And I said, I don't have enough money to buy an ark. And he kind of thinks for a while and he says, this isn't going to end well. <laughs> and, and, and I think that that's exactly what was going on. The disciples were going, this isn't ending well. Jesus is dead. 
And, uh, and Peter says, well, I'm going fishing. Because kind of that's when you, what you do when you have nothing else that you can do. You go fishing. But that was his livelihood. And that's where he was going back from his calling to follow Jesus. He was going, just going back to his life. But something happened, dramatically happened, that was both a surprise to, to them and it was a surprise to the kingdom of darkness. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 12, 40, it says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So it seemed like the kingdom of darkness should have kind of recognized that that was going on. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7 says, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. This is what we impart, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. I kind of underlined that in my Bible, our glory. That God wanted to do this for us. None of the rulers of this age understood this. And he's talking about principalities and powers and dark, dark rulers of this age. And if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because they had no idea that he was going to raise from the dead. Today we're taking a look at when or why Jesus rose from the dead. We're taking a look at the reality of Jesus' resurrection. You see, everything about our faith as Christians is it's founded on and it is, it is held to this one truth. Without it, there's no Christianity. In fact, the Christianity would have died with Jesus without the resurrection. Because all Jesus would have been is just a very good teacher. And he did some miracles and they would say that he was probably somehow connected with God if they went that far. But it would have died there if it wasn't for the resurrection. And Christians, or people, I should say, are not asked to blindly believe in the resurrection. You'll hear that. They'll say, you just need to take a leap of faith. But it's interesting because the Bible actually never says that. that our faith is built on a, a historical truth. It's, it's not just on a faith. Now, faith is connected, obviously, but our faith is not attached to nothing. It's not faith in faith. It's faith that is attached to a reality. And, and you see that, and where we're going this morning is, to, is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you have your Bibles turned there, and uh, for those who don't, I mean, you can... Pull it up on your phone or you can look at it on the screen. But we're going to take a look at as Paul the Apostle is dealing with, and, and this is the setting. The fact of the resurrection is just assumed because it's true. And uh, one of the interesting arguments apart from the idea that the disciples all made up the resurrection and then 
Each one of them died for it, um, knowing that it was some kind of hoax. The, another argument for that idea is that, that, um, that, that somehow over time, and you'll hear those who really, in fact, sometimes uh, I, um, I've been actually at a, a university where the professor was saying this and his information was so outdated. And uh, of course, because it's not where they spend their time. Uh, but he, his information was that somehow, um, you know, Jesus really didn't raise from the dead. But over time, people got this in their mind that he did or, or something got. And over time, they embellished who Jesus was, that he was just like this common man. And uh, they embellished he did miracles and all this other stuff. And uh, the problem with that is that the belief in the resurrection and the miracles of Jesus happened, it happened not only while he was alive, but those who were with him believed that throughout their, story, their, their life story. It didn't take, you know, years and years for this kind of to come out. And uh, Paul is showing us that here early on. The apostle Paul is talking about the resurrection and in the past tense of how this is such a, a this is something that is so uh, easily proven that there are just hundreds of people who know and saw the resurrected Jesus. But he gives us this foundation. And I unfortunately have seen that there are not enough Christians who can explain their salvation. They, they, they're not enough that can really, if you ask them, what is it that makes you a Christian? How, why is your, what, what is it about your faith? And Paul actually con condenses it for us into what it is that we believe. And it's called the gospel. You've heard that. It's a good news, but it's not just any good news. You know, the good news. One of my daughters brought me a cake yesterday. That was good news. <clears throat> but it didn't save me, right? It's not that kind of good news. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received in which you stand by which also you are saved. Hold that. He says, this is a gospel which he preached, and, and this is the gospel by which we stand. This is the firm foundation of our faith, our life. And then he goes, he says, by which also you are You want to finish it for me? saved. Ever hear someone say, I, I, I got saved? I know I'm saved. I'm confident I'm saved. What are you saved from? What are you saved for? Well, the gospel tells us, and this is how you're saved. And, and there are all kinds of means that people attach to their salvation, but this is what the Bible says is how you're saved. It's right here in the scripture. If you, 
hold fast. So you have to hold to this. You can't, you can't just kind of be a passing thought. This is something you put your faith in. You hold that, that, that word which I preach to you unless you believe in vain. For I delivered first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins. That, that, that's part number one of the gospel. That Jesus died. He literally died for our sins. And he took the sins of the world upon himself. And then he says, according to the scriptures. And then, and, and that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Okay, go on. No, 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 that's it. That, that, that's it. This is what you stand on. This is how you're saved. This is what you hold to. That Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried, and he rose from the grave. And, and you, you take any part of that out, and you, you diminish the gospel. It, it, it isn't the gospel. It's, there, there's no good news. If Jesus died but didn't raise, no good news. If he didn't take the sins of the world when he died on the cross, but he rose somehow, I don't know how you rise unless you die, but, but if he didn't take the sins of the world, no good news. But both of that, those are true. And, and because of that, our faith is meaningful. Now, he goes on to say, and I want you to see this in, in, as he's presenting this. And, and he was seen by Cephas, or Peter, then by the 12, and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this day. In other words, he's saying to them, and, and you, uh, you'll understand why he's saying this to them in a second, but he's saying to them, you can go ask them. They're, they're still alive. They're, I mean, the, the, the biggest crowd that he had after his resurrection was obviously 500. But he walked and ate and lived with them for 40 days afterward. And then there's this other part that people don't even attach to. A whole group of them saw him ascend. And uh, they didn't have helicopters in those days. And so, here he is, he's saying, he's saying, you can see, you, you understand? He is attaching their faith to a reality of something happened. He's not just saying, hey, just believe, it's a good thing, just take a leap of faith that Jesus rose. No, he's saying, no, listen, this is a historical, this is a historic event. This happened in history, in time, in reality. The resurrection is real. And he, he goes on and says, after he was seen by James, then by the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. So we have a historical event that happened and we preach it and you believe it. 
But there was something going on at this point that he was writing the Corinthians because there was other people who came in. Remember, there was a sect, a religious sect, uh, a Jewish sect during the time of Christ called the Sadducees. And they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection or anything supernatural. They believed that only that God would, that, that the only benefit you would get um, from serving God was what you would get on this earth because after that, it's all over. And much of our world believes that or not even the part about serving God being something that can even bless you here, but much of our world doesn't believe there's much after death or anything after death. And, and so there were those who bought into that element of it even though they were not saying that Jesus didn't rise because that would already happen. See, understand the argument against the resurrection of Jesus wasn't by these people wasn't even questioned. That wasn't the question. The question was, is there going to be a resurrection for us? And there were those who had been taught or believed that there wasn't a resurrection for us but they did not deny that Jesus had raised. That was, they were convinced of that. And Paul is taking that and he is going to go down the list and say, listen, if Jesus rose, then let me tell you what you can expect. And he does it in kind of a backhanded way in in, in using the argument, if Jesus didn't rise, and I want to take that backhanded argument that he throws and show you the positive side of it. Because Paul is actually using this to, to convince people that there's more. So you understand? You got the sense of what he's doing here? He's trying to kind of convince these people who many of them have been taught that there's no, nothing for them, even though Jesus has risen. So he says this. <clears throat> now, if Christ, verse 12, now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Do you understand? If there's no resurrection, he says. So he goes on. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty empty so but he is risen so if he is risen then our preaching is an empty in fact when you preach the gospel you're declaring the most important thing ever spoken on earth he says and your faith also is empty but because he's raised, then your faith is powerful and full. That, that what you, when you declare the gospel, when you share the good news that Jesus Christ has died for our sins and was buried and rose again, when you declare Jesus our Savior, when you do that, there's nothing that comes out of your mouth that is more powerful and more important than that. That's the words that transform lives. That's the words that give people hope. See, if Christianity is just another one of the 
thousands of belief systems out there that is just a, a belief system that we ought to love one another. Obviously, that is something Jesus taught us. But that's not the core of our Christian faith. It, it's true that the gospel proves that God loves us. There's a good message in God's love there. But you understand what, the, it, what sets us apart is that there was our Savior actually conquered death. And that gives us an assurance. And that gives us something to really talk about that isn't empty. And so he goes on and says in verse 15, yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise. In fact, the dead do not rise. If in fact the dead do not rise. So he says it, what we would be declaring is we'd be found, you know, declaring something false. We're false witnesses and our testimony would be empty, it would be gone, it'd be worthless. But instead, our testimony is true, and it must be heard. And we all have a testimony. The, the testimony that we preach is Christ risen. But each of us also have stories. If you've come to Christ and found salvation in Jesus, there's a couple of things that have been declared by you. One is that you have been lost. You were a sinner. You had to be found by God. And that your sin had separated you from God. Otherwise, Jesus would not have died for your sins. He had to die. There's, he had to go to the cross. There's no other solution. He actually asked the Father, if there's any other way, let's go around this one. But that's not what happened. Because there was no other way. And so, there is a declaration. You have a testimony. Here's your testimony. I was a sinner. Now, the level of sin, who cares? Really. Carol, my wife, um, when she gets inspired and when she's reading something, I can forget whatever I'm reading because she's going to read it to me. <laughs> whatever I'm doing, I have to stop. She's going to read it to me. <laughs> And the last couple of days, she's been reading uh, Caleb Quay's um, life story. And Caleb is a friend of ours. In fact, we've had Caleb uh, minister to our men years ago our men's, at a men's retreat. And Caleb was, in his day, known as the greatest guitarist in the world. He was the guitarist for um, Elton John. He, in fact, he was the one who gave... Elton his name, pretty much. I mean, Elton got the first name, and, and John, I can't remember what he was, his name was before. He, um, he really helped produce the Beatles. He was right there with all the Beatles, uh, hanging out, you know, vacationing. That, his life, he was so known. And, and mo in England, of course, he couldn't actually go anywhere without crowds. And part of that whole scene, the, the life that he was living was, you know, it was drugs and women. And all was given for all those years. And for 17 years, he had a drug addiction that just, and, and it was all given to him. You know, making millions of dollars and all of that. 
And coming along with that is the emptiness and the pain and the suffering that you don't even imagine is part of that life. It's only the glamour that you see, but you don't see the other side of it. You don't see the emptiness. And Caleb began searching. In fact, before actually anything, he actually heard God speak to him and told him that, that from now on, your life's going to be different. He heard an audible voice while he was loaded. So you kind of go, was well, it you know, the drugs or was it God? But he began to pursue, and he ended up at church on the way and heard the message. He got radically saved. In fact, there was this time where the Holy Spirit was moving. He got radically saved. They had baptism afterward, and so he said he went to the baptism. After 17 years of this, he actually dove in the baptism. I've never seen anybody do that. Don't do that, please, if you're going to get baptized. Um, <laughs> He dove in the back. He said when he came up, he was completely free from all the drugs. He never touched it again. He, he took a painting job. And he says while he's painting, he's looking, you know, looking at people who can't recognize him there as he was painting and thinking he could make a phone call today and he'd have a gig. I mean, that, that was his life, but he knew he had to go through this process of get, setting his si life aside for God. And uh, in fact, Carol wrote a, an intro to his book and, uh, and uh, they, they've actually uh, worked on songs together. But listening to his story, his testimony, it's no greater than yours. It's no greater than yours. I mean, you might have been a church kid, but at some point you recognized you needed a savior. You might have lived a life that no one would consider to be, you know, that bad, but you were lost. Or some of you, you have a story similar. Not as famous, but just as broken as Caleb's. You have a story. You have a testimony. And your testimony is real. And your testimony is true. And it must be heard. It must be heard, folks. In verse 16, it says, For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. But Christ is raised. And because Christ has raised your faith is meaningful and you're, and you're cleansed from, from your sins and you have power over your sins. I, I, both of those are true. When you come to Christ, he does cleanse you from your sin, but he doesn't leave you in your sin. He gives you power to overcome sin. And, and can we be positive in that? Because we usually say this, he gives you power to overcome sin, and then we add, but he knows that you won't totally be sinless. That's not the point. The point is, he gives you power to defeat sin in your life. That's the point. 
And, and whether you fall or not, as the scripture says, the righteous fall seven times, but they get right back up. That's the difference. And you continue to pursue God and holiness and righteousness before God because he has already made you righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ has been cleansed for you. So faith is meaningful. And then verse 18 says, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. But he has rose from the dead. And those who have died in Christ are alive and well and doing just fine. (laughs) And when you die, you'll never really die. Because that's what Christ has done. He's defeated death for us. Romans 8, 11 says this, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The scripture tells us this, that when we die, our spirit and our soul, it never dies. Jesus said, I am the resurrection life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me will never die. Because at that moment you're in the presence of God, but he's not done. You were made to have a body. It wasn't like an addition. It wasn't like your soul, spirit, and God said, hmm, um, let's see what we can make some things a little bit difficult for them. Let's give them a body, and then let's just watch them age. You know, kind of a, kind of, you know, God's humor as you... As things sink and change and no, you were meant for a body actually to live forever. And the reason for the body is the senses that are part of that. See, when Jesus rose, he literally rose, physically rose. And and as he rose from the the, the grave, he he resumed. I I believe he kind of resumed the same kind of body that originally was given to Adam and Eve before the fall. And, uh, but he had all the senses. He's sitting down eating with them, cooking, eating, living in body, showing us what is going to happen someday. There's going to be a general resurrection where the dead in Christ rise first. The Bible says, and those who remain. If we're still here, when Jesus comes back, we'll be transformed. It says in verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we have all men most to be pitied. But Jesus did raise from the grave. And you are of all people to be envied. What you have, I, I think, I feel sometimes it's my greatest joy when I see a follower of Christ, a believer, get it. You know, the light bulb goes on. And all of a sudden, they start to recognize who they really are. And they start to see themselves as God has seen them. And the miracle that took place when God's spirit was placed in them because they received Christ and what that means, the adoption that took place at that moment 
for each of us. And the light goes on. And I know that I'm loved by God and I know that I'm forgiven and I know that I'm cleansed and I know that I don't have to, I'm not in a, a battle to try to win God's pleasure. I know that I please him in Christ and it changes my life. And I start to serve him out of this gratefulness instead of out of trying to purchase something. And when that light goes on, it changes the course of life. It, it's that reality of the resurrection, not just because what happened to Jesus, but what happens for us. Because it says in verse 20, it says, but now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. In other words, because Christ was raised, we will be raised as well. And, and not just in the future. Because death could not hold him, death cannot hold you now forever. Death cannot hold you. And I would just put it this way. There's a resurrection before the resurrection. And we sung about it earlier. That, that when a person who is dead in their trespasses and sins, lost without Christ, all of a sudden recognizes the need they have for a savior and accepts the death of Christ for their sins and the burial of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Christ into, into the reality of their life and Jesus becomes their savior. A resurrection happens for them as it did for our friend Caleb. And as it happens for millions of people who all of a sudden put their faith in Christ and a transformation happens from death unto life. And that life that comes in you doesn't leave. That's the Holy Spirit, the, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he'll quicken your mortal body. That spirit is with you, you will never ever be dead again. And you'll always be alive because of what Christ has done. And so I wanna just ask this question uh, as I close. Is Jesus your savior? Do you believe that he rose from the dead for you? Because see, truth does not change belief system. If that was true, nobody would ever smoke cigarettes ever again. Right? Right? I, I have an aunt. She's, she's 90 years old and has been smoking since she was 14. Like I said, she's the only one. No, nobody lives like that. Lives that long. Right? Because what, what's the truth? I mean, truth is... There's a list of things, right? I, I just chose smoking. There's a list of things in that category. No one would ever do, because you know the truth of it, but that doesn't mean you do anything. You can know the truth of the resurrection. And I would suggest today that you put your faith in Christ. And so I would just ask you, those who are watching online and those here, is Jesus your savior?
And, and I want to give a moment, because I don't want to just pass by on this, especially on Easter. I'm going to ask you if you'd bow your head with me. Because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move us into a prayer in just a second. But I want to a- ask you, with your head bowed, I want to ask if those people here in this room, that you would say, I have not put my faith in Jesus Christ to be my savior. I've not surrendered to him as my savior. And today I do believe, and I want to invite Christ to be my savior. Not just the savior, but my savior. And if you want to receive Christ, I'm going to ask you while heads are bowed that you would just lift your head up and let your eyes meet mine. Can I just connect with you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand. I just want to know who you are. I want to pray for you, okay? Is that why your head's up? Okay. God bless you. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Others? Yes? You too? Uh Uh-huh. Amen. Yeah? God bless you. Anybody else? Well, Lord, yes. Lord, thank you for these that are responding. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. Church, would you just join in with these that are praying this prayer maybe for the first time in their life? But let's, uh, let's just repeat it as we say it to him. These words. Dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for my sins, was buried, and conquered death. And Jesus, because you conquered death, I choose you as my savior. I ask you to come into my life, cleanse my soul from all of my sins, and help me to follow you. And I ask this all in the name of my new Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I, I want to invite, amen. <clears throat> I, I want to invite those of you who prayed that prayer, whether you lifted your head or not, um, to two things. One is that you can go to our website and uh, look at ccanheim.com. And tell us that you received Christ. We have some information we want to give you, help you in your walk with God. Also, when we dismiss over here, I'll be standing over here, but we have a prayer room for anybody that needs prayer, and that's just for anybody here. But also for those of you who accepted Christ, I'd love to meet you and talk with you. And uh, let's just believe God to continue in people's lives the rest of the day, inviting Jesus into their life. Amen. Amen. I think we ought to worship. Can we just take a few moments? Would you stand with us and let's worship Jesus, the King of Kings, the one who's alive. We worship you.
Singing, oh, Christ be magnified. 
That's pretty cool, man. 